Hello and welcome to the All About Valley podcast. This podcast is sponsored by KO Financial, specialists in mortgages and protecting your family's finances. Whether you're looking for the best mortgage for you or want to make sure you and your family aren't struggling if you're seriously ill or pass away, call KO Financial on 0141 447 or email advice at ko-financial.co.uk. I will include this information in the show notes. No, no, no. Do you know, it's funny, we start recording now and everyone's going to be like tuning in, expecting a fitness podcast with, with me and you and they'll be like, what are they talking about football right away? I don't want to hear about football. Like, sound <laughs> fans will be like, I don't want to hear it. And Rangers fans will be like, I'm loving it. So it's one of those, one of those divisive things. But we're here with Scott Brits today and I've been really looking forward to this. Your, your name is suggested quite a few times and awesome. after researching you, I can see why. Absolute animal in the gym, man. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I try. I try. Like, I think um, I have, like, something that's... I'm not genetically very gifted, but my my head is pretty good at just continually doing stuff. So I think where I genetically don't have some of the other gifts, like, I'm I'm stubborn to the bone. I think that helps me a little bit. Yeah, you've got that. You've got that. There was a, there was a discussion I had recently. I'm forgetting the names of them now, but they were talking about... The, the motivation sometimes you just need to have that grit to get yeah. through it I'm, I'm forgetting the, I wish I could give them credit for it but I can't remember now <laughs> but <laughs> they were speaking about how sometimes you can have you can have all the things going right but sometimes you just need to push through it and that's what separates you know the great athletes from the alright athletes so to speak I think it, it comes down to pain. Like we, I talk about this a lot, you know, um, and, and what's fantastic about your, your podcast and, and what you're trying to talk about and the people you're trying to include is like, let's be honest, for some athletes, like it's easy roads, you know, it's they, they'll have great gifts that they'll potentially not have to actually work that hard. They'll never, you know, particularly go through much roughness. And that's, that's great. It's not their fault. But also you look at great athletes, especially, you know, Paralympians, quintessentially you know they they perform and have grit through a huge amount of things that are up against them and and anyone who trains a lot and competes in something you'll know that you'll be in pain you will be tired you won't want to do stuff but the difference is still pushing as hard as you can even though you have those things Uh, and I think that's always like a huge thing for me about what's actually you know the word athlete and and I think it's how you overcome pain and overcome circumstances is what makes you an athlete or not it's very true and I appreciate the nice words I mean it's interesting you say that because for me it's always felt like I've had to put in twice the effort like you know so sometimes I've seen somebody do something and I'll be like I can do that but how come it takes me twice as long or twice <laughs> what why why does it feel twice as hard it's because you know these that's a big part of the podcast as well is highlighting these Paralympians and highlighting how how much you know I know people that have five Paralympic gold medals and, and they should be like worldwide stars. Do you know what I mean? They should be like well-known people and they're not um, just out of a lack of coverage and support. And it's very disappointing. It's, un- it's unreal. I mean, for, for me, a big game changer that I, I thought it was, it was phenomenal, but I think, I, I don't think enough people saw it was the documentary on Netflix called Phoenix Rising. And, and, you know, I guarantee anyone who is in sport and you don't have to be an athlete yourself. You could just be a fan of sport. And when you see, and that was a tiny, that was a tiny selection of Paralympians and people. And, you know, it was so, such a small grab shot of those people, but you saw not only what had they gone through, but what they continue to go through and excel 
in a particular sport at the highest level. And, and I think you're right, like there's, if people had a recognition of reward and just hard work, the, the accolades, they would be sponsored by everyone and they would be on the front cover of this paper and that paper. And, and it's, it's something that I think I've been very blessed with because I started in powerlifting and transitioned into CrossFit when, when we launched Battle Cancer. I, I was around some phenomenal athletes like Mickey Yule, Ali Jawad, who, you know, as, as, as athletes in powerlifting and lifting, didn't have the use of their legs. And you would see the phenomenal amount of weight that they would move. You know, and, and we're standing there saying, well, you know, my body weight total is this. And these guys are like lifting three, four times their body weight. And, and, and they've had to, they not only doing that, they're doing that whilst having operations. They're doing that whilst dealing with trauma, particularly in, you know, like Mickey's case and stuff. You know, this, that is what me as an athlete doesn't have to deal with. I don't have to deal with ongoing medical conditions. I don't have to deal with trauma that's linked to what I'm going through now. And man, if you could, you know, if, if it was shown properly, how athletic and how determined and how those people deal with adversity and pain on a daily basis and be good human beings like you know if I'm a bit in pain and a bit tired ask my wife I'm like the world's worst person to be around you know let alone then excel and share with people and grow and be a better athlete it, it, it is a travesty in terms of how we don't recognize people in, in those sports definitely it's a really good point you've made there, and, and for me it's you, you see all these guys like when you're talking about how it's it's almost as if you realize looking at them and re, you realize that your mindset is really limitless if you if you if you if you don't think about you know people could say to you about you own you realistically you only lift this way or whatever at the same time if you really believe that you can do something and train hard enough for it it can be done massively i think you know remove that even more like take somebody who's who says you you might never be able to walk again you may never be able to work again you're certainly never going to be able to be an elite level athlete all those things become huge barriers that just will stop you from doing certain things and, and it's not even for people who have disabilities you know people do that in normal life people will say to me I, i'll never be able to do x i'll never be able to do y and okay i'm not like a you know a self-help guru who says oh yeah just believe in it it's going to happen there's the stages that you have to go through to atta yeah. attain that end part. But if you close yourself off at the beginning, you're never going to get it, no matter what. So you're right, man, like 100%. It's a lot easier to say it's never going to happen than trust the process of how difficult it is to get there. <laughs> yeah, true. I imagine it's, you know, it's a scary, it's very scary for us as humans and especially British people, Americans, very different, but to put ourselves out there and to kind of, it, it, it offers as much as its strength, it's also vulnerability, isn't it? You know, if you say, well, I want to go and climb Everest, there's a vulnerability that if you don't do it, will people take the mick? You know, it, you know, it is, there's so many different things that you open yourself out to. So it's kind of safer to never try, never open yourself up. And, and I think that's yeah. something that stops so many people. That was actually a big reason why I was putting off starting this podcast to be with. Okay. And it's funny looking back at it now, because I really, obviously I really enjoy doing it. And we, we've managed to get a, quite a lot of high profile people and talking about a lot of good things have came from it. So it just shows you that sometimes the things you doubt the most can be the best things as long as you just go for it. I think that it's, it's so hard to get across that. And that's why I love mindset. And, and I love that when you ask people questions, you know, like there'll have been a moment where you said, okay, I'm going to do the podcast now, but you know, you'll have thought about it so many times you'll have gone back and forth, like possibly hundreds of times before you finally made that decision. 
And I always feel that, you know, what can we do in social media? What can we do in the fitness industry to help somebody get across that line? So I can't just click my fingers and somebody just magically want to open up that vulnerability, but what can we do to support the process so that somebody can then start that journey that they might've been afraid to do before? Exactly. And the saying, you know, 50% of it is just starting it. That's yeah. really what it is. <laughs> Because it was it was amazing how quickly the ball actually starts rolling in the right direction. Once you just start taking the first step, uh, the first um, way of actually progressing that idea. And uh, you've you touched on a couple of things I want to go back on there when you were speaking about how, you know, pushing through these barriers and, and, and training hard and you kind of like having that mindset of saying, I'm going to go for this. But a lot of the, a big topic on the podcast recently has been injuries and a lot of people speaking to me about how they've had to push through these different injuries they've had. But I'd imagine with the fuels that you've been in with CrossFit, especially, is this something that's affected you and been on your mind? Do you have to know a line to where, have you ever had to push through an injury like that? Or has it been something that's you've had a kind of steady training program through it where you've not had to think about that too much? So I think if I'm going to be really honest with you, I'm so stupid. And like I preach one thing and I completely do another. And, and you know, I will, I'm a classic overtrainer. And, and for me, so training does multiple things for me. It's, it helps my mind massively. Like it's, it's almost like I talk about it in terms of an addiction that it is. And like you get addicted and it's very pattern setting and, and you know, it's a release for me. I feel like if I train. Uh, the, the other aspect in terms of how I approach it as well is, I have to outwork people and this isn't specifically true. So I always say one thing, do another. Um, and I don't, I always feel I have to outwork people. The problem with then lies is I don't rest enough. I don't recover enough. I don't do enough mobility. I don't do enough things and I don't listen to my body enough. I think it's, it's helped me in to, to attain a slightly higher level than I probably could have done if I, if I gave into those things. Most days I train in pain. I'll have a succession of multiple different things that will kind of go wrong. I used to do a lot of Thai boxing and MMA when I was younger. So I have arthritis in my hands. I have really bad mobility because of powerlifting. I've got two herniated discs. They'll flare up. There's various things that will kind of go in a cycle. I'll have one day of nothing. I'll be like, oh my God, this is amazing. The next day I'll be like pain. But I, I'll just push through. And, and it has been for the entire time, to be honest. I remember powerlifting one of my last comps at a European Championship and my back was shot. I knew I could lift a bar probably five times. So I had to completely change my entire run up on the day of competition because I knew I could only lift a bar X amount of times and I was just going to kind of give in. My back wouldn't do it. So I don't preach that. And anyone who listens, like you really need to be smart about it and, and people are getting a lot smarter. But I think in terms of CrossFit, most people are going to be honest with you who compete at a higher level, they'll be honest and tell you they, they, they train through injuries that they probably shouldn't. Um, and they'll carry things for years and maybe just kind of ignore them and ignore them and ignore them until they get a bit too big to ignore. So it's not great, but unfortunately, I have to be really honest with you and say, yeah, I, I do do that. It's interesting what you said about how you, you kind of, it's that addiction, you caught up in that sort of feeling of how, of how the budget get from it, basically. And I think that's, you mentioned how when you, doing it this way you feel as if it's taking you to a different level which you can see that from obviously what you've done but it's almost like a double-edged sword you need to sort of balance that and realize that it's it's that old saying it's a it's a it's, a, it's not a you don't have to it's not a sprint it's a marathon kind of thing yeah. um you can get to where you've got over a longer stretch of time 
rather than uh, damaging your body through it. I'm only saying this because I, I've it's amazing the amount of people that have said to me like I've I've overtrained I've over trained through injury and, and I'm very much like you, but I'll say this, but I'll go and I'll go as hard as I can the next time I work out. <laughs> like, because you because it's that it's that sort of feeling of you just want to give your best and you want to do my my main problem is I'm always thinking I want to do better than I did before. Yeah. Which which means harder. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It means more intense. It means it must be more difficult. And so that, that creates its own problems because my mind can be a bit stubborn sometimes. But sometimes it feels like the, the, the mindset benefit is worth it. Is worth it just for to say to yourself, if I can get through that challenge of getting through how hard that was, you can get through anything. And it sort of sets your day off right that way, I feel like. I, I think you're 100%. And I, and I think it's a real fine line. And so what's really helped me with it is we launched our battle cancer program, which is for people post-cancer treatment. And, and it's amazing. The, the, the array of people that have had, um, people who've had to have amputations, people who've been significantly impacted in terms of energy level, people who've had internal organs removed. There's, there's people who've had a vast array of different things that have affected their ability to just kind of exist in terms of a good quality of life. And what, what we've learned is, you know, if I went in and encouraged everyone to kind of approach it, particularly the way that I approach it session to session, we would do more damage than we would do good for people. And, and what we've learned, and it's helped me, is to, to check your progress along the way. So you're right, you know, you always want to be better. So if you've not seen anything get better for three weeks, I, you know, do you need to work harder? Do you need to work more? Like what's going wrong? If you've got a really good way of tracking what you're doing, and having longer term goals as well as short term goals, you can see that you're etching your way towards it. So even if you think, oh, well, I've had a bad couple of days or it's not been particularly great. If you're monitoring how much you're getting stronger, how much you're getting fitter, how much more you're getting mobile, even ticking off on a day like how much pain did I have today? And, you know, if you, you could say, well, you know, today I didn't perform very well in the gym, but I didn't have a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. That's a progress like that's something that's getting there. So I, I think. As, as I've got more and more involved in, from learning about how other people approach fitness for just a good life as opposed to a competitive sport, it, it helps to steal little things and bring them in. And, and you, that, that attitude is like what you talked about, setting yourself up for the day. You need to have someone who balances you out. You need to have someone who says, you know what, today is great. Like you have done something awesome. You might feel it was terrible, but you need to have someone that's removed from your mind who can stand there and say, no, you've actually done really, really good today. Yes, because I think one of the one of the big problems with that is with the with the sort of addiction mindset of it, you end up becoming like no gold is big enough. Yeah. And so it's important to take stock of the fact that actually I've done okay today. I did a lot of good things today. Uh, even though I didn't do that extra 10K that I wanted to do for no reason other than just being a maniac. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it's one of those kind of situations. It's a double-edged sword in a lot of ways. And I want to get into the battle cancer and how that all came about because I think I've been looking that up and it's really amazing what you're doing with that. But before that, I just wanted to touch on what you said there about how you you obviously started working out from a young age. And I was curious, do you think that that's, do you think that that's more beneficial or has a harm later on? Because I found that a lot of people, when they don't train young because I never really trained properly when I was younger, but when they don't train young, they end up learning the wrong sort of, sort of things later on. Like they, the the body's not used to it and they don't really know the right sort of techniques. Whereas when you're younger, you're able to learn the right things f 
so early on. I suppose it all depends on the trainer, but do you think that's helped you in any way? Or, yeah, or otherwise? I, no, yeah, and I think it's a fantastic point that I, I've never really heard someone bring up an author like before, to be honest. You know, and, I, and I'll kind of give my personal spin on it, but as an example, when you see a baby, a baby will sit in the perfect squat. It's got the perfect step squat depth, its hips are in the most perfect position, it's the most upright, and a baby will sit in a perfect squat for like an hour, easy. You know, if you just stop someone at the bus stop and said, can you sit in a squat? Most people fall over. They wouldn't be able to do it because they've, they've conditioned out of it. You know, they've sat in chairs, they've worked in an office, they've driven cars, they've, you know, they've been inactive for periods of time that your body comes out of that. I think for me, definitely, I was a really, really chunky kid, really, really, really chunky kid. And I like really struggled in terms of where I grew up was pretty rough in both Scotland and in England. And it was always like, okay, I need to, I need to first of all, like not be the chunky attention grabbing kid. So I went into martial arts and, and I didn't become a street fighter. I wasn't a brawler, nothing of this, but I, I, it taught me to be very comfortable. It taught me to have respect. It taught me also how to work hard and have a result. So I saw at an early age, like very early age, if I work really hard every time I go and do Thai boxing, I'm losing a bit more weight. And it was, it was this thing that continually happened until, you know, within the space of probably a year, I'd completely transformed myself as a kid, a mixture of just growing up and losing a bit of like puppy fat and stuff. But that taught me a lesson very early that if I work hard now, stuff will happen. And I think we lose that as adults who have not been through that when they're a bit younger. You know, some of the most successful athletes started in a different kind of sport. CrossFit's full of them. It's full of people that were gymnasts, full of people that were football players, rugby players, and they didn't quite work out in that sport. But the lessons that they learned mentally as well as physically have propelled them into just training or, or competing later. So 100% you're right. And it's something that, you know, if I ever had kids, they're going to be training. They're going to be doing a sport like they've got no choice in the matter. I don't care. They're doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there seems to be this kind of rise in just less less activity. You know, when I was younger, it was always you're always out doing something. You're always out playing football or, or or doing some sort of sport. Now it's like there's there's and I don't blame kids because there's PS fives and stuff, man. Like, yeah. but I had PS <laughs> See if we had the graphics now that we had by if we had them when I was younger. I don't know if I would be anywhere right now. I'd still be in my house playing, playing You can win three million quid by playing COD. You know, and that's the difference. We, we didn't get that. We were like winning a chance to stay on the game. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, by the way, you can make yourself and your parents rich for life by being good at the PlayStation. And that's the thing now. So, it's, yeah, that, you know, that's, that's definitely an aspect of it. Because what you, what you were saying, everything you said there when you were describing that about how, where you were brought up and it was quite a tough area. And then you, you realized you wanted to get in something to, to help what you were doing and it helped you see that progress. I don't know if there's as many, like, that's just not, you don't seem to have that that much of a spotlight on the fact that, you know, everybody, obviously everybody wants to treat their kids well and treat everybody well, but there seems to be this element of, if you make everything easy for everybody, what actually happens is everything that's easy becomes hard. Yeah. And that, right. that you know, that's something that happened with me with the disability was that, the the I'm rambling here, but my, my for me it was kind of one of those situations where the disability was seen as like an excuse mm. by you know so it was a reason to sort of 
feel because everyone would just be like, that guy's fat because he's in a wheelchair or he's unfit because he because he's in a wheelchair. And there's a, that's clearly unfair. And, you know, let's just feel sorry for him type of thing. And so that was sort of my motivation was to prove that wrong. And then realizing how much better I felt doing it all. You, yeah. you then go think about the amount of people that are just not, that are just encouraged to stay where they are because they don't need to be pushed. And that's why this, that's one of the big reasons for this. Um, so I love calling it the fear. So, you know, I, it's, there's a lot of people and, you know, it's great if they don't have it, but the fear makes you do a lot of good stuff. So, you know, I had the fear of if I don't work really hard, stuff's going to keep happening to me. I need to work hard. You know, similar then, like if I don't work hard, uh, you know, in my job or I don't work hard with what we're trying to grow here, it just stops. And, and the fear, you know, people talk about motivation all the time and oh, how are you motivated to train and how do you motivate somebody else? And I always talk like, you know, it, fear is seen as a negative thing quite often, but it's actually quite good. Like your body will respond to fear in no other stress. So, you know, your adrenaline, your endorphins, your women have lifted cars because of cars rolling towards a baby. And like the things you can do with fear and controlled fear is phenomenal. And, and fear could actually be very good. And for you, you know, what exactly that situation is what I imagine hundreds of thousands of people with disabilities experience. People just write you off. They just say, oh, well, don't like, I'm not going to give you any jip because you don't train because, you know, because you've got a disability, like I wouldn't expect you to. And I'll get rid of that. Like, you know, yeah. what if you if you don't train, you don't do like get any better, your disability could get worse or you could be less mobile. You could live not as long. Like there's always a fear that you can tap into that will push you. And, and yeah, I was, I was lucky that sometimes exactly like what you said, adversity can create really good people. And it's like what I said at the beginning about, especially Paralympians, the adversity that they've been through and the fear that they probably face every day has turned them into the epitome of an athlete. And, and I don't think you'll be a better mindset than those people. 100% agree. To be honest, it's really refreshing to hear that from somebody that's not in the Paralympics or not doesn't have a disability because it's, you don't often, you're, it's usually only people that actually are in that circle that would say something like that. So I'm sure the Paralympians listening to this will appreciate what you're saying. I think um, I'm really lucky that I've just, I think I'm really lucky that I've, I've been around some people and, and certainly through Battle Cancer, you know, I, I also, you start to, to be a good athlete and a good person. You need to just look at yourself and, and I, and, you know, I can moan and say, but this problem, that problem, is this going on, that going on. But when you start putting things into relative understanding, and if anybody is a true fan of sport, anyone is a true fan of fitness, athletics, if they don't share my opinion, then they're not a true fan of sport. They don't understand it. So I think hopefully there'll be millions of people that share the same thing as me that doesn't have a disability because they are true fans of what sport does. And I think people who just brush over Paralympians or brush over people who are in adaptive sports they're not true sport fans. They don't understand it. Exactly. And see, see what you just said there. That is exactly why it needs more coverage and not yeah. just, not just the part, because, because there are people that are interested. There are people that want to see this level of, because not only are they, they have a lot to come through, but these guys are performing at a really, really high level. Yeah. And it's, 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 you know, it's not just for power. It's year round, year round. And so, you know, that's why you, I, I do question in a society that we, we, we really do harp on about equality and make sure that everybody has equal opportunity. 
I'm not asking for equal pay or whatever. I'm saying if you could show us in some sort of positive light and let us take it from there, that would be good. Like to, like Sky Sports and BT and all that, they cover all sorts of sports and there's never anything to do with disability on there. You're right. I think it's it's something that has been very slow to happen. And and I go back to Channel 4 hosting the Paralympics and is in terms of showing it. And and they made a really good set of adverts that was to try and highlight people. And, and you know, I might end up shooting myself in the foot with something I'm going to say, but there's a lot of very good able-bodied athletes that are so boring. They have got no personality. They are like robots. And, and you know, they probably... They, they work hard, don't get me wrong, and they've, they've got a talent, but they're boring. Like, I don't care what they do in a day. I couldn't give it two tosses. But there is there is true spirit and stories behind those people that are in Paralympics. Look at Rocky, okay? So Rocky, why does everybody love Rocky? And did it win Oscars and it grow into this massive, like, 10-film franchise? Because you learned that he had to work hard. He had things that was against him. He wasn't Apollo Creed who had all the training and the money. He was somebody that that's what sport's about. It's the underdog and learning how they then managed to go across all those things and then still perform. And one thing, uh, I know I'm kind of harping on about it, but what you just said then was, was great that I think people still think about adaptive sport, that it's people who have got a disability just playing at it. And, and there's not enough to show, no, for example, like archers. So, okay. Give me an art, a bow and a bow and arrow. I will get it nowhere near what people can do with just their feet because they don't have arms and they've never had arms. So me with two arms, two legs, everything going for me, they will wipe the floor with me every single time, not even close. Like the gap will be this. And I think that's what's not talked about enough that the level of competition in the sport between adaptive athletes is phenomenal. You know, that, and that's what's changed women's football, for example, and women's rugby that, the media has now started to say it's such a high level you should watch it because it's such a high level and that's the same and, and you're right it does not get anywhere near if, if at all the coverage and, and support that it should you know I, I i can't even express how much i agree with what you said there because it's it's so refreshing to hear someone say that it's exactly what you say like they don't even there's this idea that we are we are doing it and it's like, oh, that's good that they're getting out and doing it, you know. But these guys are actually, you know, these guys and girls are actually all performing at a really high level. Yeah. That people that, you know, people that can do the thing that they can't, can't do this. So then it makes you question, why is there such an emphasis on disability in itself? In the sense of like, we need, we definitely need things adapted. We need things that are more accessible. But yeah. the accessibility is the issue not the disability. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> and so it's so it's it's very, there was a, that point you said there about how, you know, there's a lot of sports I know that treat the sport as a friendly, friendly competition thing. You know, and we all get along and everybody gets along in that, which is great. But, but yeah, if, if, you want to, if you want people to watch the sport and more people to be involved in it, you have to promote the competitiveness and the story behind it. Why do they want to succeed at this? You know yeah. what I mean? That's And like you said, I see all these stories that we have. It's so, so incredibly untapped that if you, if you were to tell these stories and market it and show the competition at the elite level, people would definitely watch that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they'd watch it over some of the, the normal. Like not some, like I told you, honestly, not some normal athletes are so boring and so droll. 
Like, you know, mm. I go back to there's, there's a, a clip in Phoenix Rising of the, the girl who's in fencing. And, and every point she gets, she's screaming. And, and my wife said, is she in pain? Because my wife doesn't compete in anything. She doesn't like really do sport. She trains a bit. And I said, no, she's not in pain. I said, like, that is her pure emotion because she's winning. I was like, you know, you don't see Premier League footballers screaming at the top of their lungs like a roar when they've done a tackle because they don't, they're boring. They don't, don't yeah. like, they don't care that much. To them, that's just another game that they get another 60 grand and that they then go home in the fancy car and everything's fine. So that woman who'd lost her arms, lost her legs, she'd got severe issues all over her entire body. All of her was screaming to every single point that she won. Like that's competition. And I'd rather watch that than watch a lot of boring people do something that's easy. I'd rather watch people who care so much that they're willing to scream and put themselves on the line for it. it it's mad. I, I just, I don't know what would have to happen to get people to really, really get their eyes on it other than keep doing stuff like what you're doing. And you're speaking to such incredible people that eventually those stories are going to get out and, and people are going to be like, no, let's switch off that boring rubbish and let's watch this instead. Well, that's it. I mean, all, really, really all we can do is is try to grow our voice as much as possible. And my thing is, there's a lot of people that want it, that have specific reasons for wanting success and wanting things to do well. But, but mine is honestly that I want these voices to be heard and this opinion to be heard because you talked about the Premier League, for example, right? The Premier League, one of the big sort of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, one of the big complaints about the Premier League recently or the past few years has been how the passion, the passion from the fans, even yeah. even from the players and the fans, it also seems very commercialised and very like, you know, the stories, the hard work stories aren't really there anymore. There used to be people in Route 4 that weren't the billionaires, but now everyone in that league's a billionaire. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? It's it's all, the life has been sucked out of it. Meanwhile, across the side, we've got disability sport with so many incredible stories and incredible athletes that does not get anything because disability is still in society inherently seen as less than despite all this coverage for equality. That's the biggest problem. I think the, the less than is, is so correct. And one of the things that's great about functional fitness and, and, and I always use CrossFit and CrossFit's a brand and, and a big company, but adaptions are a key. So we talk about the word adaption and what, why I like adaption is it's not, it's just changing something. It's not lesser, it's just doing it slightly different. And, and that's why I love the concept of adaption and people competing in physical fitness. So there's an event called Waterpalooza in Miami. It's a huge event. Like I competed over there last year. And when you compete, there's a huge adaptive uh, category. So loads and loads of people. Um, and, you know, my thing is swimming. So up until last year, terrible swimmer, hated it, terrified. And I, I finally managed to break the ruck of it. But I remember it was really late at night. This is Miami. It's pitch black with some lights. And there's people, multiple adaptive athletes of different kinds of disability, just diving in the water, middle of the night, doing this massive swim, back out, getting into the workout. And I was absolutely bricking myself about doing that swim. And, and, you know, that was where I'm looking at it and going, boring for me. You want to watch me? Ask me. Boring. Like, go to these people. There's no less than. This is not less than anything. It's just a little bit different. Like, you know, there's a, there's a slight adaption to a certain movement or there's a slight different weight or there's a different way like people in wheelchairs compete with a very simple addition that's like a pad that goes across the waist 
that's it. They do everything else. People do rope climbs and all manner of things. And that's why like adaption for me is a key word. And I think maybe that's where we go wrong in other sports that, you know, we see a, a disability version of the sport as lesser. No, 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 it's adapted. You know, it, it's not lesser. It's just, it's just amended for that, for equality. And it's exactly what you said. You don't want anything more. You just want it to be the same. And, you know, I always think about uh, like blind people that play football. What's different? There's a, there's a bell in the ball. So that's an adaption. That's it. It's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same yeah. game. There's no lesser about it. It's, you know, tie a, a blindfold around a Premier League footballer. He won't be smashing the ball around. I, no. I, think there's, I think that's why I love the idea of an adaption as opposed to lesser. And you're so right. People see it as lesser. 100% agree. And the thing with that also is the fact that the more that you give it coverage, the more that you let people see it, the more it becomes normalised. And that... That that almost adaption it just it all kind of fades into one step. You start seeing disability sport, ad adaptive sport is just more more as the same. You don't yeah. even think about it. The only reason why people think about it and notice it as much is because of the lack of coverage. Yeah, and and you're right. I think really big. Why do we call it a different name for that sport? It should just be that sport. You know, I, I think it's yeah. you know what there's a big push at the moment, and, and rightly so. I, I and, and I totally back it, but. Why do we call it women's football? It's just football, but women play it. You know, it's rugby, but people with a disability play it. Why has it got to be wheelchair rugby or disability rugby? Or, you know, why, why, you're exactly right. Why does it have to have that name? It's the exact sport. It's just a slight difference in the way that it's done because of the people that are partaking in it. And, and you're right, like, you know, let's be honest. You've got, a pre I hate keep using football, but you've got Premier League and then you've got like Division Three paint trophy, whatever. So it's the same football, but these up here are a little bit better than these down here, you know, but then sometimes mm. they'll go and play them in a cup and these down here will beat them. So it's not always guaranteed. For me, that's exactly the same, you know, in terms of an adaption or a disability in terms of sport, it's the same bloody sport. It's just done slightly differently. It's, it's not, you know, it's not a magical different sport. No, this wasn't really something I, I imagined the two of us getting into as much, but I really, I really enjoyed hearing all your points on this. And I think people hopefully opens up, opens a lot of people's eyes on these subjects and helps get the word out. But I said earlier that I wanted to talk about bowel cancer, yeah. and I'm really interested about the, about how this all came about. And was there any particular reason why cancer and and Dunachari was of such a interest to you to begin with? I think to be honest, it was so I'd not had like an incredible tragedy in terms of something that had happened to me. I think it was a, it was a collection. It was I'd seen so many people, wider family members when I was younger, like have cancer and then not be here. And I, and I always kind of had this joke that I'd been to more funerals than I'd been to weddings. Um, I, don't, I still don't think it's evened out. And and it was it was something that was always resident in my mind in terms of like, OK, it's I've been to a funeral because of cancer, funeral because of cancer, funeral because of cancer. So death to me was always related to cancer. And then multiple people I'd known, they'd had loved ones lost and I'd seen very close battles. And then my wife, particularly her grandma got it recovered, her granddad got it and passed away very quickly. So it was this, just, it was always a part of my life in some shape or form. It was a word that I always heard and, and, and things had happened. I think for me as well though, it was, it was something that affected many people like 
millions, hundreds of millions every year, but it affects them in different ways. And, and that was always interesting to me, like how can we support people? What can we do to bring something together to shine a light on it that even if you've not had cancer yourself, you could be secondary affected. You know, you could be caring for someone who's going through a diagnosis. Then even if you've recovered from cancer, like I'd mentioned earlier, there's people who've lost limbs, there's people who suffer significant disabilities for the rest of their life because of the treatment or because of the effect of what's happened from having cancer. So it was kind of an all encompassing for me. And it was like, well, I want to do something bigger than just fundraise. I'd fundraised for years and I was like, okay, I need to use this stubbornness and this kind of big gob that I have to do something. And I was like, okay, I think I need to use fitness to do something for cancer. And that, that was kind of where the concept started. That is, it's a really admirable thing because I think even when I was talking about earlier, just that ability to start something, especially that big a thing, it's like, there's a lot of reasons to be put off. There's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be a lot of things to figure out and, and things to learn. So to really put yourself out there and go for it just shows how much it, it matters to you and how much of a difference you're making. It's really quite an admirable thing. And, and having seen it, it, felt, it made me more motivated. Like, see, even today, before this podcast, I was, I'd, I'd done a workout this morning and I, I was starting to fail a little bit. And I was like, no, I want to be up for this. And I was looking at your stuff and... So I went in and had done 10 rounds with it with the bag on nice. the box and I was gushing with sweat, but I was like, that's that that's the kind of thing that something like that does to somebody, is it makes you realize how how grateful you should be in life and carrying that and how health health really is your wealth. You're right. And I mean, for me, it's something that unless you face it and you you know, we don't often we don't we don't go and choose to get ill. But once the illness happens, it's, it's right in front of you. Um, and it's only then that you realize things that were happening in your life that you could do very easily have been removed. And a big thing for us at Battle Cancer is that the events that we put on, they're for everybody. So the whole, like what I said earlier about having one sport is one sport, like that's a big key thing for us. So we have adaptions at all our events, so, but you're in the exact same category as everyone else. It doesn't, you're not in a separate category because you choose an adaption everybody's in the same thing when you do our events and our challenges and we've had phenomenal people we've had people that are completely blind we've had triple amputees we've had teams of all kinds of manner of different disabilities and what I always go back to every single one of them especially people who've been through something be it illness or a disability they all say exactly what you just said I've identified all these things that I'm glad of and I can go and do this and I can go and do this and I can go and do this and none of them sit there and go well, I can't do it because of this and I can't do it because of that and I can't do it because of this. Whereas there's so many people that I meet that do use that. And, and you're right, I think this, what I've wanted to showcase and bring together is those is, is that mentality and is that passion. And, and it's really funny, I know it's a bit of a sideways track, but it's to kind of highlight the people that we've been really lucky to get with us. Teams of especially adaptive athletes, everybody always says to them like, oh, I thought you'd just be fundraising for like a disability charity. And they always go, no, I lost my mum because of cancer or I lost my friend or I know someone going through it. I can fundraise for whatever I want. Like the physical challenge yeah. I'm going to do is whatever I do. And it's, it was a really funny thing to see people just presume, okay, because they're blind, they're going to fundraise for a blind charity. No, I'm blind, but I've been affected by cancer. I want to help that. And, and that's what our events became. It was no matter who you are, where you're from, 
you want to come and be around other people that share that passion and we'll we'll make that happen so we're really lucky with the people that have come and, and helped us make what we've managed to to start to grow we've got a lot more to do it's really incredible and it really shows that just you know you can come from different backgrounds and different situations but you can all relate over something you can relate over something and that for example going into this podcast my main thought was when i started it was to do it all around you know disability and physical fitness and as it went on you know mental health mental health has always been a big part of it a big topic on it and the reason why that became it is because when I recorded the first episode and finished it, I realized that it was very much like along the lines of mental health. And the reason why I'm saying, the reason why I'm bringing that into it is because that was what I found that, you know, I wanted to show people that disability in and of itself is, it should be considered, for lack of a better term, normal. Yeah. And um, the way to show that was really that whatever ability or disability you have, we all go through different crazy things in this weird life that we have. And and there's always something that you felt that somebody else has felt something similar to. Whether whether you're, you know, you know whether you are in the best condition anyone could ever be or you're, you're the worst disability in the world, those two people can relate to something. You're right. And, and I think that's, you know, let's look at the world a little bit. And I hate to be too much of like a big hippie, but, you know, things with COVID has happened that there's loads of different people. Some are not scared by it. Some are scared by it. Some think that the rules are good. Some think that the rules are bad and it's created a division. You know, just look at America, you know, in America, the country is almost split in half and one side can't stand the other and the other side can't stand the other. And we, we do this all the time. The media is very good at it. The media is very good at making you feel one way and somebody else feel another. And the whole thing of exactly what you've just done there is and what you're continuing to do is show people that there is connection. Every single day we experience the same things. And if we can just have that immediate connection, all those other things can just seem pointless and they can break down and we can get on. And, and for me, it was if I can get a bunch of people in a room that have all experienced loss or some form of impact in their life that they want to do something about, but then all make them do the same workout. After they've done the first workout, they can start to talk about the workout that they've all done and they all know was really hard. And then as that conversation evolves, they're going to share. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're bringing people together and you're saying, okay, let's have a common topic. But that topic evolves as the barriers break down. And then all of a sudden you'll help each other and that person will talk about something that maybe they've never talked about before because you've identified with each other. And, you know, that's that's a massive thing. And, and I think that's how we get ourselves as humans through mental health crisis, like what's going on now, by sharing experiences and understanding that just because you've got a disability and I don't, we both know how terrible a workout can be. We both know how yeah. much it, it, you know, there's so many things like how annoying it is when your internet don't work. We both know all those things. Like there's things that we all have in common and we just need to bring that more together. Uh, and I've been incredibly lucky that our events and our activations and our programs, we do that through making people sweat <laughs> and then they open up. Well, it's like what you said though, that the division has almost been encouraged by politics a lot of the time and, and yeah. you've seen it it's very the atmosphere is very toxic with it all right now and I think what you're doing and whatever that we try to do is just try to bring people together and, and show that we can all support each other 
But as you were talking about the gym there, it got me thinking about something I meant to ask you earlier, was that, you know, a lot of people are struggling with, obviously your industry has sort of been on a, had to stop all of a sudden for the last year really properly. And a lot of people have spoken about how the gym being shut and things like that has affected their mental health and the way that they see things because what we've just spoke about there and mentioned is how much a workout can really clear your mind and help you with these kind of things. Now, of course, I feel like a lot of people say stuff like that, but I do want to preface the fact that it's not it's not the sole factor. Fit, you know, fitness doesn't cure your mental health issues, which I feel like a lot of people don't stress that. It's not like it's a magical cure, but at the same time, what would what, what have you been doing and what do you think, what would your advice be to people that are struggling with their mental health during this time with the lack of gyms that are open? Obviously yourself, you've been okay because you, you have your own thing, but a lot of people can't really go to the gym, can't do the kind of stuff they would normally do. What what would, what would your advice be to them? I think there's a, there's a couple of different things. I think one is, first of all, no targets, no pressure. And there's, there's an element, as humans, we're all really good at it. And it's what we talked about before, you know, you might do a workout and feel bad because you didn't do a certain amount or you didn't do this or whatever, and that becomes worse. And I think during this time, removing any targets, like removing hitting a certain weight, removing looking a certain way, it needs to be about survival in terms of mentally and, and using fitness for that. And that's what I keep saying to people. Now survival mode, it's not grow mode, it's survival mode. And, and it's about getting through until, you know, be it the summer, be it the winter or whatever, that things can change and we can add back those things. So remove these kind of expectations, especially, you know, it's easy to talk about powerlifting and CrossFit and stuff, but people used to think that their one rep max in a deadlift, for example, would be 200 and whatever kilo. They've not been able to access a gym properly for probably the best part of a year. So that old one rep max is gone. So don't base your training now on what you previously did when everything was, was great. You know, remove those expectations. <clears throat> I think the other thing is, is break a sweat. Like if that breaking a sweat takes an hour or it takes 10 minutes, physically breaking a sweat is a sign that your body's done what you need it to do, which is just have that reset and have a release of something. You know, I, I posted a workout the other day that most people, if they really, really push themselves, they can get done in like five minutes. You know, five minutes is nothing, but you'll be sweating, you'll be out of breath. And all of a sudden in that five minutes, you're probably not thinking about all the worries that you have for that five minutes. Some people it'd be really easy and they might have to do something for an hour to attain the same feeling, but breaking a sweat in any shape or form is just going to help. It's just going to reset yourself. I, I think the other thing is people, you know, when people say to me, oh, is the future of fitness all online? Like, nah, I don't think it is because we do, you know, you talked about a gym and you, you are right. There's people in the papers who are like, I'm keeping my gym open and it's for people's mental health. Uh, it's an excuse. That is an excuse. What gyms do is they do help people in terms of mental health, but by community and by sharing and by offering a place that it's, it's okay. So one of the things we've done at the gym is all our coaches have a group of members that we communicate with every day. We just text, how's it going? You're all right. What's your day like? What'd you have to eat today? Just, just be in the same kind of conversations we would have had with those people when they walked into the gym. And, and that is the thing that if you're not part of a gym, there's, you know, join a running group on Facebook. There's, there's London marathon training groups that are full of people. And if you just post on there, 
all of a sudden people are going to be communicating with you you know and, and there's there's a lot of stuff to still be able to do joining people online messaging them i'm so lucky people message me and they go oh, I, I tried this workout i tried that workout and i'll fire one or two messages back just it's good for me it's good for communicating with people it's yeah. amazing so for me it's remove your expectations and remove any like things that you think you must do right now and just think about survival the second is just break a sweat whether it's five minutes an hour 10 hours whatever break that sweat and the third is just reach out like the whole point of a community is other people you know do you work out with someone on a zoom it might sound really stupid but knowing in that little corner that someone else is on a camera doing the same thing you're going to do probably a little bit more you might not miss the things that you would have missed before there's so much stuff you can do to be together in your own living rooms gardens whatever that that will also help so so that's my thing and i think it's the hardest time we've ever seen as people met from a mental health standpoint we've been removed from having connection and closeness and all those things that make us have good resilience it's all gone so let's get it back and and just keep it as much as you can until you can hug people and high five them and punch them in the arm and they can punch you back like that's that's my little long-winded way of those those are my tips you know, I really love that because it would have, it would have been very easy for you to just sit here and say, "Do need to open the gyms? The gyms need to be opened right, right away." And, and that's it's 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 as much as I would like that to be the like I would I, I want them open it eventually at some point when it's safe to do so. But it's it's kind of it's ignorant to just assume that that this is like you said before. It's sort of a copy answer when, when you know it's all just about if you. Also, the point of it taking the goals away for me is something that I've had to come to grips with as well. Like the first we were in the lockdown, the, the hardest thing was that you you have all these head things in your head, like you want to bench this, you want to do that, and and you're having to completely switch to, like you say, survival mode of having to be like, this is what I need to do to feel normal during the dinner because this is what this is, it's like the only what is it, the rock says it, the rock says it well. He says it's like a his his vice that he uses is, is you can always go back and you can always go back into doing something doing something difficult because that's what it comes into as much you want to break a sweat because the more difficult things you do the more easier life becomes getting comfortable with the uncomfortable yeah and and, and you you're right and that's the the whole thing for me is that you know you had those goals and those goals are completely fine to have but you set those goals when the world was different. You know, you didn't set those goals now with the equipment that you've got access to or, you know, all the other factors that when you set those goals originally, you had going, now those things are not going. So you need to shift it. And, you know, th that going in and just feeling hard work, that, that helps. And that hard work, like I said, five minutes, you know, it could just be five minutes, but you think, I survived that. That was hard. Like, I've done it. It's, you know, in a day that you could be having a lot of, downs that's one up that's one win you know just winning once in a day is going to help and I, and that's what I try and do I'm a massive list nerd I just write list after list after list and I tick it off because then at the end of the day I sit there and I think oh I've just done loads of stuff even to the point I like I literally write eat this is ridiculous I know but I write eat and I'm, of course I'm going to eat I need to eat to survive but I'll tick off that event because some days if I'm working or I'm not thinking about it I'll not eat so it's like a win. I think, okay, I've done well today. I have that well, like I've done what I'm supposed to do. So even noting down like little wins and just celebrating them, no win is too small right now. Like a win is a win. 
You know, it's really interesting because I've heard that a few times now. She, there's a there was an audio book I was listening to called the Seven. I think it was the Seven Habits of Effective People. Right. And I've mentioned this book a few times now in the podcast, but one thing they said in it was your brain sees every win in the same level. Yeah. Regardless of how big it is, so it could be. You could it could be winning the Nobel Prize or eating food that day. Is it? Yeah. The brain sees it the same way. The brain feels it the same way, which is really interesting. And uh, everyone that's told me they do lists seem to be doing well. Everything that I've been doing lists, I've been really productive. Everything that I've fallen off lists, I've not been so productive. So there's definitely something yeah. to it for sure. And uh, especially, like you say, in this particular moment that we're in, structure and organisation and having a routine is going to be very important because it's very easy to become soft during this whole thing. And and that's almost that that's almost where you realize that with the COVID situation, what it is is it's a it's 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 a health crisis in some ways as well. Like it's that seems like a big opportunity to talk about health and emphasize how important all these things that we spoke about are. And it hasn't really been all you see is just that is all that's been in the news for the past year before the vaccine came out was how we're going to get a vaccine out and then a death count of how many people are dying from it. And you're, and you're thinking, well, surely there must be more things we could be telling people that would actually help the, the people. You're right. And, and so, I mean, you know, you look at respiratory issues. So a, a huge amount of people that pass away are because they've got underlying health conditions or they've got respiratory issues. So what does that tell you? So vaccines, great. Testing, great. You know, more stuff happening why you know maybe we need to bulletproof people a bit more maybe we need to focus like what you said on reducing the amount of people that smoke reducing the amount of people that that don't you know they don't they have an inactive day where they 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 consume more calories than they burn off to too much of an extent and that's the stuff that you write like you know if the amount of times that the word covid has been used on a media article or a social media post or something else if you did half of them that said check yourself for lumps the amount of cancer deaths would drop phenomenally. That's just one example of if we used all this time, all this attention to look at ourselves, we would we would be saving even more lives. And you're right, it is, it is going to be, I think, when we look back, a missed opportunity to get everybody's eyes. You know, one day if Boris is doing his, his announcements on the lectern and he goes, oh, and I want to tell you, you should all go out and, you know, like, have a, you know, and he says something that's informative that's not about COVID. Everyone's going to be listening. And everyone's going to go, yeah. oh, okay, maybe I should check myself for a lump. Or maybe I should go and if my heart feels a bit funny when I walk up the stairs, maybe I need to do a bit more exercise. So you're really right. And I think that is a shame that it's not getting that attention right now. And from what I've heard, there's, actually been, there's been a lot of cancer treatments missed because of COVID and how, how stressed everything's been, which is one of those kind of consequences of this that people don't talk about as much. Yeah, so we, we had a chat with Cancer Research. So, so we work really closely with a number of different big charities and, and Cancer Research told us that for the next three years, so not just this year, for the following three more years, they, they deemed avoidable deaths. So it, it's deaths through cancer that if they'd have had screening or, or treatment that hadn't have been postponed because of the situation, that person would still be alive. So that sits at around 40,000 people in the UK alone for the, every year, year for the next three years that's 120,000 people that will die that didn't have to because if everything would have just been going on in terms of their screening and their operation they'd be with us you know and I and I like to kind of expand that and say 
okay, let's let's presume each one of them people has a family of a minimum of four, four whether it's their mum, the dad, the brother, the wife, you know, children. So that's actually 480,000 people that are going to be affected that didn't have to be affected. So it is terrifying, but it's something that nobody wants to talk about at the minute because we're just so concerned with the thing that's in front of us and unfortunately not looking what's going to be continually impacting. And it, it's, that's a devastating statistic you've just said there. It's really quite, you hear something like that and you go, when you, for me, just sitting here, you're, you're thinking about how mismanaged the whole thing's been, but then that's, that's a real serious consequence of just naivety and not necessarily doing the right things. But I do want to stress the fact, I'm glad, I'm glad that we said that, but I will say this, that I don't want it to seem, obviously COVID has been a terrible thing and a lot of people are dying from it. And a lot of people, a lot of healthy people have died from yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. so there is that, and I, I'm not I'm not oblivious or ignorant, neither of us are to the fact that that has happened. But you, you've got this, you've got a count of deaths and illnesses from this every day. Meanwhile, like you just mentioned there, Thousands of people from cancer and all these other different things are, are, are taking us taking the back seat when when there should always be a priority. And they've you know, not to get too political, but they became less of a priority through we you know, we weren't really organized for this kind of overwhelming illness to take place and, and have all these things in place. If you'd had a a more funded NHS with more nurses and and had that as a priority well before this even became a thing, you would not. We wouldn't be having that. We wouldn't have to discuss statistics like that, you know. So, it's You're right. It's. I mean, I feel like that was a really negative point to finish on, but. <laughs> no, I think you're right. It's it's something that it's also good for get for getting people to understand. And I I think you know let's I'll step out of the cancer arena because it's something I'm so focused on. But you know, look at people who have got disabilities and and have long term recovery plans and operations that span years, you know, I think what we often forget, and again, because I've, I've known people who've gone through things that you may have a disability, but you are continually in the medical system. You know, it, it, it may be that every single year you have to have a further operation to achieve a certain point or there's further physical therapy or there's further reviews. It's not just cancer, there's, there's a huge amount and, and you're right, you know, it's certainly not to lessen the impact of COVID. And I think that everybody knows the impact. That's why I don't kind of say it, because it is huge. You know, it, it's phenomenally huge and scarily huge. I think what we need to do is what, what you know, we all want things to come back, like summer holidays and festivals and shopping. But we also need to say what we also need to come back is support for people that has been removed. And that's all we're doing. You know, we're just saying as much as we want Glastonbury to be back, I also want cancer treatment to be back. You know, like as much as I want to go and watch my football team, I really want physiotherapy places to be open. Like there's not enough of that public like attention that we want other things that used to happen to come back. And it's certainly not, I don't, I don't think it's too negative. I think it's like getting people to go, oh, actually that's something that, that we need to be pushing for. No, you're definitely right. And I think that that's something that hopefully this conversation can open some eyes up and people can just start doing something about it because it comes down to what should our priorities as a society be? Getting everyone back in a football stadium or treating people with cancer? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, how is that even a discussion? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, how many articles have you seen that are talking about, the, you know, the public needing to get people back into hospitals with cancer treatments? But how many articles do you read where they're saying we want to go and watch football? 
it's you know it's, it's beyond yeah. the, it makes you question how much we actually value life as a as a society yeah. we, 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 there's a lot of people because i talked about gratefulness earlier and how you when you realize how special it is and what we can do and the amount of things that you can do it's you, you start to become more grateful for what you have in life and there's a lot of coverage and way of putting it across that that you shouldn't even be worried about these things as if it's not an important thing and i hope that that this can be the start of this was so always a hope that somebody will hear it and be able to do something about it and and us two talking about it will somebody else will hear it and they'll talk to somebody about it and it will spread and spread and spread that's how everything starts so hopefully we can get back to more normal times you know even though i don't like the word normal usually because i like to think <laughs> of I, I like to think uh, the saying um, to, to be different is to be normal. I, I use yeah. that a lot. I like that. I think that's there's a lot of stigma between this idea of we should all try to be normal when in actuality we're all different. So, yeah, yeah we can relate, but we all, we're all scientifically proven to be different people. So it's, it's, it's weird that we don't really embrace that as much and try and fit into this same bracket of normal. But that's just my my... Right on that. <laughs> but, I like that. I'm going to steal that. And and you're right. I think you know. And, and I will, I'll stop waffling on it. You. But again, you're right that you know even if one person listens to this and they they go and push to go to the doctor because they've not felt quite right, be it mentally or physically, then it's a win because they've gone to the doctor. They'll talk about something and it will happen. You know, someone might come back and listen to this in six months' time and pick something up in a new job that they have, you know, a paper or whatever. There's so much that by starting that decision that you made to put something out in the world and overcoming that first fear that you're now having a chance to impact and spread something. And, and yeah, sod being normal. What's normal? It's boring. It's like I said at the beginning, normal athletes, they're boring. We want different. And that's what we want. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't think of a better point to finish on than that. And, I've really enjoyed all this conversation, Scott. Thanks you so much for doing it. I know you're a busy man and really appreciate it. No, it's it's a pleasure. And it's it's a real passionate element of mine that we work with so many people who have got various disabilities that I've had the pleasure of training with people that are adaptive athletes, disabled athletes, all this kind of jargon that's, that's attributed to people. Um, and, and it's a pleasure to get to talk about a different subject that's a big passion that I don't get to talk about. So thank you for letting me waffle on it you know, about my opinions. Of course. Just before you go here, is there anywhere social media wise you want to plug so people could they want to find you and look up your stuff more? Biggest one always is just type Battle Cancer into Google or Instagram. If you type Battle Cancer into Instagram, you'll find Battle Cancer's accounts. If you can type into Google Battle Cancer, we usually come up on everything. We've got events that are coming back. We've got activations. We do all manner of fun things. We've got year-round fundraising prizes, depending on how much you fundraise. We've got our program that's completely free, so you can access it online. You get it completely free. And then we host free classes in 14 places across the world. So that's free for people post-treatment. They come, we put on two classes a week. Type in the words battle cancer together and you'll find us, and, and I'll be a happy man if, if I get some emails and, and questions. Brilliant, Scott. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, man.